The following is a For the City Church sermon. We hope you enjoy it. Because God is sovereign over the future, He alone is capable of giving a prophetic insight to the future. And He's the only one. Now, man has done that, but it's always come from God, right? And in His great mercy, He did this for, for His people all throughout the Old Testament, right? Ever since the thud in the, gar- the garden, throughout the pages of Scripture, God has been just revealing His mercy of His plan of the truth that he would one day make all things right. Scripture slowly, and we're going to go through the Old Testament as a church for anyone who's interested throughout this next year. And and if you read and engage this word, what you'll realize is God slowly just pulls back the curtain to reveal his plan of redemption. And it's progressively revealed. And I'm talking from the first moment in Genesis. We learn who would come to save God's people. We learn how He would come. We learn where He would come. We learn when He would come. We learn why He would come. And the reason is is so that God's people would anticipate the moment that God would come to save His people. They've always been longing. Now we long for, for Jesus to return and to make all things new. But just after the thud in the garden, Adam and Eve, when they had sinned, God preached to them a message of hope, a message of redemption, a message that Jesus would be born of woman. He makes no reference to a father in that message either. He talks about the hope that would come from a woman, which clues us in on a virgin birth. We're talking in Genesis chapter 3. This prophecy was given by God Himself, and is the first time the gospel was preached. So I want to remind us, and I'm going to read, and you can follow along. It's in Genesis 3. God says, I will put enmity between you, and He's talking the serpent, and the woman. And between your offspring and her offspring, He shall bruise your head. Meaning He's he's going to defeat you, Satan, we would later learn. And you'll bruise His heel, meaning you're going to inflict a wound upon Him, but it's actually through that wound that you'll bring salvation. This, this is the first gospel ever preached. And I want you to know it's preached by God. It was upheld by God, and, and it was delivered by God. Around 700 years before Christ put on flesh, we, we, we learn from Isaiah exactly how Jesus would come in history. It says, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign, a miracle. He's he's going to show you something. And here's the sign. It says, behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. That's a miracle, (laughs) right? I want you to, you might think, well, yeah, no, duh. I think there's times where we think that this is a fairy tale, though. I hear people even teach children like this, as though it's some just thing that didn't actually happen in human history. No, this happened. The virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel, which we learn means God with us. Think about the promise that Jesus' mother would be a virgin who conceived by miracle did in fact happen. Jesus, Mary's, is his mother, earthly, right? Was in fact a godly young virgin who would give birth by miraculous power via the Holy Spirit. So the text we're looking at in Matthew is the moment when so many promises would be fulfilled throughout time. And we don't have time to go through all of those, but I want to give you an understanding that for 2,000 long years, they were waiting for Genesis 3 to be revealed. 
And, and this promise kept getting discussed. But for 400 years, there had been silence. There had been no prophet in Israel. God had not sent anyone to deliver this good news. They were longing. They were waiting. They were wondering, are you even coming? Which I, I find a lot of Christians weary right now, wondering, will he ever come back? Now, they may not say it, but they think it. They doubt it. And in a moment... God showed up and put on flesh. You know, the, the, the Christmas story is like a diamond. It's multifaceted. You can look at so many different angles and see so much beauty in it. But, but today, we're going to look at the diamond, the gem, the treasure of heaven. We're going to look at Christ. So I'm going to read this text in Matthew once again. And we're going to focus primarily on two verses. Matt, will you join me once again? Matthew 1, 18 through 25 says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother, Mary, had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Listen to the language. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel which means God with us. When Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to his son, and he called his name Jesus. Je Jesus is a name that means he will save his people from their sins, that God saves. That's what the name Jesus means. He came as Emmanuel. He came as God with us. God became, or, or, or let's say added on humanity and dwelt with us in the incarnation of Christ. Incarnation is, is from a Latin word, which just means becoming flesh, putting on flesh. Jesus has always existed in his divine state. And there was a moment in time that he added on humanity. And that was the moment that he came as baby Jesus. Don't miss the name. The, the, the word incarnation is just a fancy word that theologians use to explain the second member of the Trinity, the triune God coming and putting on flesh. He comes though as a helpless baby. I mean, I want you to think about it. I'm, I mean, I'm, I can't help it. There's a baby right there, like pretty new, pretty newborn. Think about God coming as a helpless baby. You could literally think on this for the rest of your life. Why? I mean, this tells us so much about the tenderness of God. Think, just think for a moment, if you were to write the story, how you would imagine God showing up. I, I don't know that anybody would ever dream up the thought that he would come as a helpless child. I have a, uh, a quote that I read to my wife this morning, and she's like, you're not reading that, are you? I said, I am. This will give you a little insight to, to my strange understanding of, of words. Frederick Bachner once said this. He said, the word became flesh, ultimate mystery born 
with a skull you could crush one-handed. And you may not like that, but I actually love this quote. I love it because it's not tame. I love it because it's, it's not touching and it's not beautiful. But it is true. It communicates a truth of how drastic of a measure that God would go. The God who created all things, who created time, would step into time and come and take on human flesh as a vulnerable baby. Well, if that doesn't tell you something about the tenderness of our God, you need to think harder. The incarnation or the intimacy of Christmas is of Christ serving a, a really a beautiful reminder that God's willingness to clean things up is infinitely bigger than our willingness to mess things up. Oh, we've blown it. I mean, if you just look around. And I, I say look around. If you just consider yourself, if you just consider your life, if you consider what comes in your brain and in your heart throughout a given day or a given week or a given year, you'll know you're broken. And, and if you're not, if, you, if you're not convinced of that, oh, I just have to imagine there's special grace for you because you're delusional. And, and you're so far removed from truth and reality. I, I know I'm broken. I know that my thoughts and the intentions of my heart aren't always pure. I, I know that I'm selfish. I know all these things. But then I'm reminded that there's a greater hope than my goodness. And it is the goodness of God. It is the goodness that God would put on flesh and that he would come help someone as broken and as messed up as me and as of you. Christmas is all about the arrival of God himself coming in flesh. Coming to set us free from Satan's sin and death. But I'll tell you, he's, he's coming to set us free from the pressures that we feel to save ourselves. He's come to set us free from loneliness. I, I love Emmanuel, God with us. I know some lonely people. I've been lonely in my own life. And you know, there's nothing worse than being lonely when you're surrounded by people. That's the worst. I, I know widows, and I, and I know people who, in, who are in rest homes and they're lonely, but I know people surrounded by people who, who love them and see them and enjoy them, and they feel desperately lonely. I mean, if you've ever been there, then you know that's a horrible place to be. God has come to save us from trying to find someone or something other than Him to take away the loneliness. So as I've thought about Christmas this year, and I've thought about this morning, it's been my hope and my prayer that today would be a day of restful re reorientation for your heart. For those who are weary and those who are heavy laden, for those who really feel the weight of trying to make it on your own, that today you would re be reminded of good news. You'd be reminded that as you think about the acute pressure of thinking that you have to change your spouse in order for your life to be happy. You ever been tempted with that? Gosh, if my husband or my wife would just fill in the blank, then I could be happy. For those who, who have to be on top of everything if you're ever going to make it, you've got to be in control of everything. Boy, is that tempting to me. 
That you have to do everything right if your kids are going to turn out okay. You're not going to do everything right, and your kids, by and large, won't turn out okay. <laughs> they won't. And if they do, it's only grace. I know children raised in homes that love the Lord, they want nothing to do with Jesus. Grace. I know children that are raised in homes that only use Jesus as a swear word and love him dearly. Grace. I know that you feel the pressure to have control over what other people think in order for you to feel important. How many likes? How many people comment on your post, your Christmas post, your Christmas card? I know you feel the pressure to be the best if your life's going to count. I know the pressure to, to really be successful if you're ever going to satisfy the desire for parental approval or people approval in general. Oh, and those pressures are real. And at Christmas time, they're magnified. Oh, I feel the pressure. And most of it's put on myself by myself. But, but I want you to know, if, if that's you, then I, I got to tell you, Christmas is for you. Christ is for you. And boy, do I have good news. The question of being saved from ourselves and from our own trouble is not unique to anyone anymore. I mean, advertising, boy, do they play on this big time, right? All you have to do is pay attention, and you will hear good news for people who are suffering, right? If you're ugly, I got good news. There's makeup or cream or this or that or, or some kind of new little gadget that will make you look just spectacular, Right? You've seen this, these apps. If you're feeling sad, don't worry. There's some kind of new clothes, new toy, new car, or food that will deliver you from your sadness. Right? This is, this is the message. We hear it all the time if you're paying attention. And if you're really, really, really sad, well, then just look at the screen, look at the app, and soon the algorithms will pick up what it is you really need. And they'll just keep pressing it and presenting it until you pull out the credit card. Or if it's already loaded on your phone, you just swipe. And guess what? It's going to come. It'll come probably maybe even before Christmas. Not, not before Christmas. Before New Year's. But, but i got to tell you, I'm, I'm going to spoil something for you. You're still going to be sad. You're still going to be empty because none of those things can make you happy. You know what's even more sad than that is the church can mistakenly enter into this sentimental, sappy Jesus stuff. And start to, to really start to talk about all the things that Jesus has come to do and miss the fact that he's come to save you from your sins. We can enter into all the different things. We get so excited about the angels and Mary and the, the birth and all these things. And those things are all wonderful, but we can miss Christ. We can talk about how there's no room at the end and we can miss the fact that Jesus came. To what? Primarily to save you. To save you from what? Or from who? Well, myself. No, not primarily. God primarily sent Christ to save you from himself. Oh, and if you don't get that, you don't get the gospel. You don't understand. Not primarily. God has sent Jesus to save you from his wrath. This is why he's come. That's the best news ever. Because if he just saves you from a bad hair day, I've got something on my phone that could probably help you with that. But he's come to give you life. The angel in Matthew seemed to have 
another agenda than just saving you from a bad day. Listen, they remind us that we're not the solution to our problem. We are the problem. Jesus is the one who has come to save us from, yes, ourselves, yes, from our sin, yes, from death, but ultimately from God's wrath. Why? Because, because he loves you. He loves you. He didn't mess this thing up. Humanity has blown it. We have fallen into sin. We deserve his wrath. And yet, listen to the simplicity of Christ's mission statement. He will save his people from their sins. Oh, that's such good news. In an age when children are named after cars and stars and, and, and all these different things. And by the way, if you have a Mercedes name, it's cool. <laughs> I, I get it. It was popular at one time. Forgive your parents, right? I got a strange name too. God chose the name Jesus. Mary and Joseph didn't go and get a big old book that said all the baby names. God said, you will call his name Jesus. And in ancient Jewish times, I want you to know that name was so important. It was very synonymous with the actual very person. So we learn so much about God when we understand the name of Jesus. We learn who he is what he's like and what he has come to do. That made giving this name extremely meaningful. Jesus was coming as a savior. That's it. That primarily, that is it. Get this before you get anything else. His good news is not to, to solve a problem with your looks or your bad day or your relationship status. Those are all great, but primarily, Jesus has come to save you from your sins. Your, your life still may be awful. Your divorce status might not go away. Your, your single status might not go away. The turmoil that's in your home might not go away. The turmoil that's in your heart and in your mind might not go away. But Jesus has come that your sins would be vanquished, gone forever. As far as the east is to the west, Jehovah sees no more of your sins. They are swallowed up in death. This is why he's come. And how many times we can just... We just talk about all these peripheral things that, that matter, and we will, and we do. If you don't have a church home, may this be a place where you come hear the Word of God preached each week. And we will talk about all the attributes of God. We do not shy away from the Word of God. We open the Word of God, and we go through it book by book, verse by verse, because we want you to know Him. But oh, how I want this to be so simple. Jesus Christ came to save sinners. He came to give you life. He came so that you would never be lonely again, even if you feel lonely. You may feel lonely till you die, but you're not alone. Why? Because Christ has come. He's come. Why? Because he loves sinners. He doesn't know a sinner that he doesn't love. He's not met that person. And he doesn't love you because you're lovable. I find that to be so comforting. Like if you've got to get to a place where you're lovable, you, you feel that pressure in your real relationships here on earth. 
Oh, how you do. If you behave well, people love you more. It's a fact. You don't believe me? Oh, I got ideas for you tomorrow. (laughs) Put it to the test. Try me. And then report back. I'll grab coffee with you. I want to hear all about it. Like if you stab grandma in the leg with a fork, not everyone in that room is going to like you. Nor should you. Right? Don't, Don't stab granny in the leg with a fork. But, but God doesn't love you because you're lovable. As a matter of fact, you and I, we are not lovable. God's love, His grace, makes us lovable. God comes to make us lovable. This is the point of Christmas. He comes to make us lovable. How does He do that? What's it going to require for Him to do that? It's going to require for him to be born in flesh as a baby, live a perfect life that you and I could never live, willingly go to a cross, suffer and die in the place of sinners like us so that he can give us a righteousness and a forgiveness so that you and I can have something we don't own, which is righteousness, which is forgiveness. It's a gift. And he gives it to us. And you believe it by faith. And when you believe it, it's yours. And when it's yours... You are now, you're made new. You're a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And in that moment, in that moment of faith, in that moment of grace, He doesn't love you. He loved you while you were weak, ungodly, sinner. Oh, but the relationship has drastically changed. And you know how it's changed? You went from wandering sheep hell-bent sinner to adopted into the family of God, beloved son, beloved daughter, all because of what Christ, this child, has done. You know, it's Jesus was coming as a Savior. That's it. His good news is not to solve a problem with, with your looks. I'm still ugly. My wife's like, no, you're handsome. Some of you might say that, and everybody else says, quit lying, Right? Compared to Brad Pitt, right? Let's be real. He's handsome. He didn't come to to even fix your emotions. Not now, not yet. I know people who deeply hurt, who love the Lord, and their emotions are still broke. What did he come to do? He came to save us from our sins. He came to give us life. He came to give us himself. Oh, that's the gift. You get God. The question is, is, is that enough? Is, it, is that enough? Well, I've got to have God and. Why? Why do you have to have that? You don't, you don't have to have that. That's the lie. You know, it's funny and depressing at times that within recent history, we've come up with all sorts of other things that Jesus primarily is healer he is lover absolutely example friend unifier all of those and even some redneck hats say homeboy which you know Jesus is all of those things except maybe homeboy just quit that's not even funny it's funny but it's not let's get real Jesus, above all else, is Savior. 
Period. Oh, just don't confuse it. He's, he's given, the Father gave him, gave him up as a gift to save us from something far worse, far more profound, far more unsolvable than our emotions, our bad hair, our relationship status. He came to save us from our sins and his wrath. Christmas is about dealing with your sin. Your sin. Your sins, plural. Moral failures. Anger. Lust. I mean, we could go on and on and on. Because your offenses, my offenses before a holy God are great. Your trespasses, your transgressions, your neglect, your failure, the things you've done that you should not do, and the things that you did not do that you should have done. We're just guilty. And, and what is God's plan? The very first thing God, through an angelic messenger, told Joseph about his son, that he is coming to save his people from their sins. Oh, this is good news. Not to lead them, not primarily, not to teach them, not to even comfort them, although those things are all true. But far more great was to save you, to save you from your sins. This is what, this is what John was talking about in the book of Revelation when he said that Jesus is the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. You need to know that this was always God's plan. God didn't pivot. God didn't respond to humanity once things got a little out of his control because we all have this free will just to do anything that we ever want to do. The only thing we were ever free to do from the fall was to sin because we're sinners by nature and by choice. God, in he's the only one who's absolutely free. Let's just be real. And he was free to damn us all to hell and under his wrath. But he freely chose to send his son to save us from his wrath. Why? Because he is a God of great grace, of great mercy, of great love. And if you don't believe that, you have not thought upon the Christmas story long enough. You've not been given sight to see and to believe. Because this was always his plan. From before the foundation of the earth. Think about this. Before Adam and Eve even existed, God knew. And God planned. What? That one day in time, He would send His Son to be given as a sacrifice for sinners. And, and we learn all throughout the Bible, it pleased Him to do it. It pleased Him. And, and no one twisted Jesus' arm. It delighted the Son to come and to rescue hell-bent sinners. He longed to do it for the joy that was set before Him to save those who could not save themselves. Why? Because He loves you. You. I mean you. He sees you. He knows you. Oh, He loves you. And you might think, no, not me. No, I'm talking you. Have you received his love? And if you don't, it doesn't change his love. He still loves you. Oh, he still loves you. 
See, the baby Jesus would eventually grow up and become the man Christ Jesus. And, and he would live the perfect life that you and I could never live. He succeeded in every way where Adam failed. He willingly suffered under Pontius Pilate. He would willingly be nailed to a cross. He would willingly die a sinner's death, be spit upon, be mocked, be buried, and on the third day triumphantly resurrect because the grave had no claim upon him because he had never sinned. He is the perfect Lamb of God who has come to take away the sins of the world. And just as the Scriptures said he would, he has. He's done it. And he did it for you. Oh, some people don't like that I say that. Get over it. The Bible says it over and over and over and over. That God loves you. That he sees you. And that he willingly went to the cross for you. Only Jesus, the God-man, can save you from your sins. Only God can save you from God. Only the perfect man can offer his perfect obedience in the place of your very tarnished record. The only question that remains this Christmas morning is whether you will stop attempting to save yourself and receive. Just receive. See, the, the beauty of being, there's so many beauties of being one of your pastors here. But I know almost everybody in this room, except for those who have come for the first time today, or maybe it's your second time. I'd like to get to know you, and I'd like you to get to know other people. But the joy of knowing the majority of you is I know that you've already received this gift of Christ Jesus. And so it makes my heart so happy to know that, that you have life and that, that he has you. And that there is nothing nor no one that could ever separate you from his love. There is no power that is strong enough in all the universe to ever rip you from his hand because he does not lose sheep. And you may have heard that message as a young boy or a young girl, and you may have been wandering for some time, but today is the day. Oh, how I pray that God would remind you of his profound love for you. And that you would just receive. With open arms, you'd receive the gift of Christ. You'd receive the gift of salvation. And when you do, oh, how I want you to know, you're as white as snow. You're as white as snow. You're, all your sins, all your sins have been forgiven. Your past sins, the present sins that you're committing right now, possibly, or later today, if you live long enough, the sins that you're guaranteed to commit if you still live long enough. I want you to know all of them, every one of them, were swallowed up in Christ. That means you stand right now by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Perfect. You're as holy as Jesus Christ because of what he has done for you. That's what salvation means. It's full. It's final. It's complete. It's Oh, how I love this declaration. It's finished. It's done. Yeah, but what about all the things I still got to do? Oh, we want to live a life that is holy and worthy to the gospel and to the God who has called us, but not to receive salvation, but because we're saved. 
We are transformed. We are new. You don't ever obey so God will love you more. God loves you infinitely. Oh, but how many times we're just striving to get him to like us a little bit more. He loved you while you were weak, ungodly sinner. Christ died for you. Why? Because he loves you. And he's made you new. Do you believe in Christ Jesus for your salvation? Oh, I pray you do. Receive the gift of God. Receive Christ. And if you have, which many of you have, rejoice. Oh, God, let your heart rejoice. Oh, think upon it. Think upon this good news. Dwell upon this good news. Receive Him every moment of every day. Why? Because you desperately need Him. And we're promised with this name, Emmanuel. He's with you. In your deepest, darkest, most lonely moment, He's there. He sees you. He loves you. He delights in you. He enjoys you. His word says he sings over you and you will be with him and he will be with you for all of time, for eternity. And nothing, no one, nothing or anything can change that fact. So, so you, you should just be that. And when I say happy, I don't mean happy. So be, oh, I'm, just, I'm saying the most happy merry person in all the land. Because what can this world do to you? Now, your emotions may not match up with that truth, and that's okay. That's okay. But I want you to beat that truth into your head until your emotions cave to the reality of God's love for you. In short, Christmas is God's answer to our attempts of self-salvation. <laughs> I know, I've done it. Jesus came to liberate us from the pressure of having it all together and to trying to fix ourselves. To find ourselves. To free ourselves. Can I just tell you it doesn't work? I know, you've heard it before, but it really doesn't. The world has more access to all the things that should make us happy and we're more beat down bloodied, lonely, and depressed than ever, and we're attached to everything and everyone in the palm of our hand. It doesn't work. It's a big lie. The truth of God's word is Jesus Christ came to save sinners. So you'd never be lonely again. The incarnation, to say it simply, is God's shout. You're free. You're free. You're free. And he loves you, and he is for you, and he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Merry, is it okay to say freaking Christmas? <laughs> Merry freaking Christmas. If that's not okay, it was nice to see you today. And for the rest, I'll see you next week, God willing. <laughs> Church, I could stand up here and shout till my head popped of how much God loved you, but nothing that I can say primarily can do the work in your heart. 
So my encouragement is that you'd ask God to do that work in your heart. You, you might be here really struggling to believe everything I just said. Would you take one step of faith with me? Just in the, wherever you sit. And I'm talking to Christians. I'm talking to those who are not convinced of the gospel. And I'm talking to those who outright reject the gospel. Would you just write where you're at? Would, would you just ask God to reveal his love to you? This year that's coming up, you'd ask God to reveal his love to you. If if you'll do that, he will. Oh, I know he will. And if if you're here and you're like, he has revealed his love to me, would you think about someone he hasn't revealed his love to? And would you just right now, would you just pray for that person that God would reveal his great grace and mercy and love to them and that they would see how infinitely loved they are. Would you do that? Because God, he delights to save sinners. I mean, that's all there is. And he gave his son to do it. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this beautiful gift of Christ Jesus. Father, thank you for your perfect plan of redemption. Thank you that as far as the curse has gone, you have promised to make all things new. Thank you that you do not break promises. Thank you that that you could never speak a lie, that all the things you say are true, and they are all found there, yes, in Christ Jesus. Father, I pray that right now, that if, if anyone here is just far from you, that they would realize how very near you are to them and that they would receive you, that they would receive the gift of salvation that is in Christ Jesus, that they'd be set free, that you'd open their eyes, that you'd reveal your great love to them and that they would enjoy you forever. Father, for those who, oh, so many of our earthly dreams that are good just have not come true and many of them are reminded and crushed during this very challenging time of the year that we'd be reminded that all these things are temporary and that all things will be made new including those and that you will restore what the locusts have ate oh god create in us a heart that longs to love you and to worship you to adore you and to enjoy you forever we ask this in christ's name amen Thanks for listening to this sermon. If you found it helpful, we encourage you to enjoy more of our sermons, find out more information about For the City, or how to partner with us through prayer and giving at www.forthecity.church. For the City exists to magnify Jesus by making disciples who share and show the transforming power of the gospel and plant churches that multiply.